This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Hello. My name's Becky Sedgwick. I'm part of the team here at Parenting for Faith, and this is the Parenting for Faith podcast. Well, it's almost Easter. I got such a surprise when I realised it was Easter this week. Um, I've kind of lost track of time and the calendar during lockdown and my kids are far too big to be going to school. So I don't have school terms to help me. But wherever you are, whatever you're doing this Easter, the Parenting for Faith team wish you a joyful and blessed Easter. And the Easter story in the Gospels is so much more detailed than much of, of what we read of Jesus's life and we can get a real insight into Jesus when we read it and in our cornerstone this week I wonder about how we can help our kids and us to understand Jesus's humanity better as we share these stories and our question is one Rachel answered recently at an event and it comes from a mum of teenagers who's thinking about how can she foster great connections with her boys despite their teendom And for our wildcard section, we're going to share one of the resources Anna's created specially for parents and carers of noughts to threes, but which actually can be helpful for anyone with kids of any age. And we'll end, as always, with a question to start an interesting conversation. So it's Easter. And this week, more than any other, we'll be sharing and thinking about the stories of Jesus' last week on earth. Now, I was brought up in church and I was really familiar with the Bible stories. And it's really weird when I think about it now, but I used to kind of think, I think I was wrestling in my head with the idea of how could Jesus be a human, but sort of also be Superman at the same time. And... um, And in my own muddled way, I kind of worked out a solution, which I realised was probably a bit heretical. And I have a really visual imagination. I imagine in pictures. And I remember now in my head when I was sort of imagining Jesus and his disciples going around um, Galilee and Nazareth doing his thing. There they all were. But Jesus was always like floating above six inches above the ground. It was like metaphorically, he was somehow cushioned from the toughness and the the horrible bits of real life so he could cope with them. And I know it's ridiculous, but that's how I thought. And I think I think the cushion, and in my head the cushion was Jesus knowing that he was God, so somehow that stopped him feeling the deep feelings of fear or lack of confidence. And he was he was still human. I had no doubt about that, but I kind of in my brain I was I got to the point where I thought he was kind of a superhuman. And particularly when it came to Easter, I thought, how does anyone get through what he went through? How do you know get through being wrongly arrested, being betrayed by your friend, being flogged, being put on the cross as an innocent person? How do you get through that? And again, I think I kind of concluded that it was because he really secretly knew he was God. And so actually it was OK because these things were just going to last three days and then he could get through. And I can squish out all the pain and the fear because I absolutely know that in three days it'll all be over and I'll be gloriously resurrected. But of course, as I got older, I realised that was probably 
well, definitely pretty heretical and definitely wrong. Because I came across passages like Philippians 2, where it talks about God became man and he emptied himself of all his divinity and in order to become fully human. So he didn't bring his God superpowers into his human life, if you like. And then there's that great bit in Hebrews that said he, that Jesus was tempted in every way, just like us. And that's astonishing. He, every temptation that I've ever experienced, Jesus has also experienced. But I think it can be really hard for us to see, kind of really see Jesus' huma humanity, his not humanity in the sense of his kindness, but his humanness. Because most of the gospel stories are kind of a shorthand summary of the brilliant things he did. So not just incredible miracles, but his wisdom, the way he outwitted the Pharisees, his compassion. He's just amazing. But I think that amazingness might make it hard for us or maybe our kids to identify with Jesus because he's busy healing. He stops the seas and the wind. He produces coins from fish's mouths. He makes people rise from the dead. He preaches to vast crowds. He meets up with Elijah and Moses on a mountaintop. And we can find ourselves asking, how does that relate to our ordinary, muddled and very boring lives? Well, for me, the stories of Holy Week and Easter give us a brilliant opportunity to help kids and us see a side of Jesus that might feel a bit more like me, a bit more like muddled, struggling me. Because the Easter stories give us a real close-up view of Jesus during the most difficult time of his life here on earth. And one of the key tools at Parenting for Faith is something we call framing, which basically is a few ways to help children see who God is and how he works in the world. It's about explaining, really. And one of the ways we teach how to do this is suggesting some ways to explore Bible stories. And one of these is to stop as you're reading and ask some questions about what God might have been doing or feeling or thinking at this point in the story. So you might be reading the story of Daniel and the lions. And when you get to the bit where Daniel's choosing to publicly kneel at the window to pray, knowing he'll be seen, you might stop and wonder, oh, I wonder what God was feeling when he saw Daniel praying like that. And of course, we don't know, but the answer might be he was feeling proud of Daniel or scared for Daniel or cross about the consequences about what's going to happen to Daniel because of his, because of his obedience. But you get the idea. Well, I like to use the same technique when I'm reading the stories of Easter because it helps me understand Jesus better because he wasn't Superman. He was God, but he was God who chosen to put aside all his heavenly superpowers to live as a man. So he was tempted in every way, but through his tight connection with God and his determination to be obedient, he didn't sin. But that doesn't mean he didn't feel the same emotions and struggles as we do. So this is what it looks like. The brilliant thing is that this isn't about having right or wrong answers. So if you're chatting to your kids using these sort of questions, you don't have to be a Bible genius. It's more about opening up our minds to see the wholeness of Jesus, not just the headlines, if that makes sense. So whatever story you're reading, all you do is stop every now and then and ask questions like, I wonder what Jesus was feeling when, or I wonder what Jesus wanted to happen, or I wonder what helped Jesus get through that moment. For example, in the story of the Last Supper, you might wonder about if Jesus was enjoying the meal with his friends or what he might have felt 
when he saw Judas leave. Or in the story of Peter, when Peter says three times, no, I don't know Jesus. Luke says Jesus looked directly at Peter. And you might ask, I wonder what Jesus was feeling when he looked at Peter. Or the story of Palm Sunday. What was Jesus hoping would happen when he rode in Jerusalem? Was he proud? Was he happy? Was he fearful? In the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus prayed, not your will, Father, but mine. What do you think he wanted God to do on the cross? What do you think Jesus was feeling when he looked at his mum? And you might find these questions are a springboard into bigger conversations. Was it okay for Jesus to feel angry, tired or afraid? Do you ever feel angry, tired or afraid? What do you think helped Jesus get through it? Could that help you? But however you read the stories, we hope that's helpful. And have a wonderful Easter knowing that you are loved by a God who gave his own life for you. And now, here's Rachel answering a question. Two of my boys are already teens. I feel like it's too late to discover their love languages because of the classic distancing that happens at this age. They can act like they don't want to connect. I know. I hope that's not the case. What do you advise? Right. As a youth pastor for many years, they absolutely need you. Uh, There was a study that recently came out. Oh, I think it was America. I'll see if I can find it. It was in one of my things. Oh, I think it was in this book. There's a great book. Uh, It's called Growing With. And uh, it's about how to uh, walk with kids. I'm I'm looking on my bookshelf. Um, One of my team, maybe we'll find it for you. Uh, uh, Growing With. I did a review of it on the podcast. And it's really great about how to walk faith with your teenagers and uh, throughout their teenage life and into their young adulthood. And and they absolutely do. Parents are still rated one of the most influential uh, people in the lives of teenagers. They need you and they need your love. And they go through stages. That means they don't can't quite articulate that. Like uh, the boys, particularly when they're growing, they go through a stage where their brain gets washed with certain things and they drop in their ability to recognize facial emotions back to the age of five. Do you remember having a five-year-old and you're like, hello, I'm so excited to see you. Or I am so sad right now. And you had to like be really big with your face because your kids couldn't quite see what you were feeling. At some point, as boys grow in teenage life, they lose that ability to recognize your face. So when they go, what? They genuinely mean, what? Because they don't know what your face is saying. And so sometimes we misread things because we interpret our kids to not be 100% sure of what's going on with them. And so they absolutely are doing, it just shifts in, in how your influence is. And so what happens often is they're watching you like a hawk, um, primarily to catch you doing things that should prove that you're imperfect people. And you're like, I'm imperfect people and I'm okay with that. Uh, and while I'm being imperfect, I can also show you how I connect with God in my imperfectness and how I deal with feeling with disconnected. And so to be able to say, I always want you to feel loved and connected to me. And I don't want you to feel like you're off. I want you to feel understood. I want you to feel like I have time for you. And I feel like I'm going to make a lot of mistakes in this. So I need your honest, like honest feedback on that. And I'm going to ask you things like, how are we feeling? Are we feeling connected? Are you feeling heard? Are you feeling listened to? And that doesn't mean we have to spend all of our time together. I'm just saying, 
our connection is the most important thing to me. And um, besides God, obviously. So I'm going to ask you awkward questions and I'm going to watch your honest answers. And so even if you start with the connection conversation first, then you can learn their love languages. Uh, and then you can also offer things. Hey, I have 10 minutes. Would you rather us have a quick chat or would you rather a cup of tea? And you can begin to sort of ask and sort of see what it is. But often it's about training them in the connection is a good place to start. Uh, and you are absolutely vital to your kids. For our wildcard section this week, we're going to play you the soundtrack to one of our new videos for parents and carers of babies and toddlers. And these are just some short videos that explore what parenting for faith is like when you're looking after little people who maybe don't even talk yet. And it's certainly hard to work out what's going on in their brains. And this is the soundtrack to the video called Chatting to God, where Anna talks about what prayer might look like for a parent and how we can pray for our kids. And actually, some of this works for kids of any age. We'll put the link in the notes so you can check it out and watch the video for yourself and also discover the other videos in the series. So here's Anna. Parenting can be full of ups and downs. You might experience joy, anger, excitement, boredom, and all before people without kids are even awake. Prayer is simply sharing those emotions and those words with God, chatting to him as you go about your day. There's no right way to do it. There's no set way to do it. So be honest, be real, and do whatever feels natural and comfortable for you. Some people uh, just chat to God in their head. Other people like to do it out loud or to use a notebook or an app. So let's start by thinking about prayer for you. God loves it when you share what you're thinking and feeling with him because he loves you. It's not that he doesn't already know the details of what's going on in your life. He knows and cares about each one of them. But you'll discover an amazing connection as you take a moment to share with him and know that he listens and that he understands. So what should we pray about and what shouldn't we? Well, it's pretty simple. You can chat to God about anything, anytime, anywhere. So that's going to include things like asking God why your baby's crying and asking him to come and help you having a little bit of a rant about how gross the food stuck down the side of the high chair is and that you can't get it out. Or um, telling him the really cute new noise that they're making and just that you think it's really adorable and how much you're enjoying it. You could tell him that you feel scared when you get really annoyed when you just can't stop them crying. You can ask him to draw close when they've got a temperature in the middle of the night and you're giving them some cowpole. He's there for all of those things. You know, parenting can feel really lonely sometimes and it's amazing reassurance to know that God is right there with you and he's listening. He's there to give you comfort, to give you advice or just to chat to you about what's going on. And what about prayer for your child? I wonder if you've ever shared something about them. Uh, maybe they've learned to do something really hilarious or they've reached a new milestone and you want to tell the world. 
and you have that horrible realization that no one else is quite as excited as you are. Maybe grandparents, but generally it's just a you as a parent thing. One of the wonderful things about God is that he loves and cares about the details of your child's life just as you do. He's a proud parent as well. So you can chat to God about anything at all for your child. You can chat to him about the good things, the bad things, the little things, the big things, the scary things, the exciting things. He's there for all of that. So you might want to say, God, can you come and sort out this horrible nappy rash? Or please, Jesus, help them to sleep tonight. He's there for any of that stuff. And you can, of course, just do that in your head. You can chat to him uh, where no one else can see. But if you can, sometimes try doing it out loud because your child will get to hear and understand what you're doing. That makes them feel connected to you because uh, they know that you love them and that you want good things for them. And it helps them feel connected to God as well. They'll maybe uh, start to understand what you're doing and that he's there, that he's a safe and good person to go to and to ask for what they need. Talking to God isn't like sending him an email or a voice message and just hoping that one day when he's got time, he picks it up. He promises that he is right there with us, listening, ready to hear and respond. Sometimes we get to hear or see or feel his response and other times we don't, but we can always be sure that he's listening. So chat to God about anything that you want for your child. Chat about your hopes, your dreams, your worries. You can chat about uh, their sleep, their eating, their future life and partners. Whatever it is that's on your mind for them, you can chat to God about that. Again, there's no set way of doing this. There's no right way of doing it. So just share whatever pops into your head. Part of what can feel daunting about becoming a parent is that you're suddenly the one who's in charge. You go from being a child still in some senses to being the parent, the adult, the grown-up. And there aren't many breaks from being a grown-up. One of the things I love so much about God is that he still parents us, even when we're parents ourselves. So we can lean on him for support, love and guidance. The Bible talks about him being a good father who wants to give good gifts to his children and like a mother that comforts us. He's there to give us love, protection, self-sacrificing love, and to generously give us the things that we need. Lots of people share that the experience of becoming a parent helps them to understand a little bit more of how God feels about us. You know, when you look at your baby or child and just marvel at who they are, it's not about anything they're doing, just literally who they are. Or when you comfort and protect your child when they're upset, or when you laugh and celebrate and delight when they do something funny or something new or something great. All of those are little reminders of how God feels about us. As you parent, you are not on your own. God is with you and he is for you. And there are so many ways that he can help you. He can cheer you on to persevere and keep going through the day or the night as it might be when you're really struggling. He can recognise the sacrifices that you're making for your family, even when it feels like nobody else notices. He can comfort you when you collapse onto your bed or the sofa at the end of a really long day, even if you've still got a mile long to-do list. And he can love you just for who you are, not for anything that you do. He delights in you sharing every little detail about your day with him. He is there call out to him and ask for what you need. 
he really wants to give it to you. And finally, this week's question to start an interesting conversation. What's your favourite bit of the Easter story and why? Happy Easter. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.